Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. Thanks Brad. Thanks to the team as well for leading us in worship. Tonight we continue again in our series from 1 Corinthians and we find ourselves tonight in chapter 12. You've probably heard me said from uh, chapter 7 that from chapter 7 we've been uh, sitting through a Q&A session with the apostle Paul. He continues to address issues that were sent to him by the church at Corinth which which needed his attention to address matters concerning the church. Uh, you have seen um in 71 uh, the apostle Paul says now concerning the matters about which you wrote in 725 he says now concerning the betrothed in 81 he says now concerning food offered to idols and now we'll see in chapter 12 verse 1 he's going to say concerning spiritual gifts so if we were in a Q&A session these were the different sessions that the apostle Paul has been tackling and the different topics he's been going through but tonight the question is what makes for a healthy body what makes for a healthy body i i've always equated that people who were healthy or people who were fit were people who had a six pack as a result as a young man the target for me to be healthy or fit was i must have a six pack now my world was shaken <laughs> my world was thrown off its orbit when i was introduced to guys who had six packs but they were the most unhealthy people you would find They would struggle to play a full game of soccer without panting for life. They would eat junk food on a regular basis. They would struggle with strength and endurance, but because they had a six-pack, surely they were healthy. No, they were not. They are healthy gents who don't look like long-distance runners. They are healthy gents who in fact have no six packs but have good eating habits they exercise they hydrate and so on so the question tonight is what makes for a healthy body now obviously not a healthy human body but what makes for a healthy church body is a healthy church a church that shouts all those elaborate and dramatic gifts of the spirit is a healthy church one that possesses those who speak in tongues and those who prophesy do these gifts like a six pack equate to spiritual maturity what makes for a healthy church so if You have your Bibles open. We will be reading 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and we'll start our reading from verse 1 until verse 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. 
Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are various gifts, but the same Spirit. There are various, there are, sorry, but there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same Lord who empowers them in, ev- who empowers all, who empowers them all in everyone. Sorry, verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith in the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. Let's pray together. Lord, the song is still ringing in my mind. Who is like the Lord our God? Indeed, You are our salvation, God. And we want to thank You that as we gather here tonight, we are gathered because of Jesus and His finished work on the cross. If it wasn't for Jesus, if it wasn't for him dying, being buried, and rising up again, if it wasn't for him sending another comfort to the Holy Spirit who convicts the world of of sin, righteousness, and judgment, Lord, we would read these words and they would remain foolishness to us. But we are grateful that tonight we can read these words and understand them because your Spirit is at work. So tonight, I pray as we talk much about that very Spirit of God, Lord, may you help us to be excited about who He is. Lord, many of our services, we praise and we talk about the Father. Many of our services, we praise and talk about the Son. And Lord, not many of our services do we talk about the Spirit. So we pray tonight that you'd encourage us of His ministry. Encourage us of His ministry of distributing these gifts to us for the purpose of our spiritual maturity. So I pray as I speak, that I would speak with much clarity. I pray for the recipients of your word, Lord, that they would receive it with gladness, Lord, looking to apply your word in their lives. And my God, I pray that this would be a blessed time of fellowship under your word, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I think it is important for us to note once again that there were issues that the church wrote to the Apostle Paul about that he has answered in this letter. God, I believe in his omniscience and God in his providence, has, he knew that these would be matters that affect the church today. So as we read these various passages, we can read these passages with one foot in Corinth and with the other foot in 2023. There was a meme that was circulating that um, I really appreciated. It said, if Paul saw the state of the church in America, we would get a letter. And I think it's true, if Paul saw the states of the church in South Africa, the church in Africa, the church in the world, we would all get a letter because of the state of the church. So a true statement is that 
a community, and we saw it with the Corinthians, a community that neglects biblical worship will be seen by their pursuit of sexual immorality. They'll be seen by growth in idol worship, and inevitably divisions will arise because of the love of self. Their gatherings will be for personal gain and for personal self-esteem rather than for the glory of God. We saw last week that the Corinthian church had the audacity to think that they could come to the Lord's table whilst they had deep-rooted divisions, while they had approved the divisions, while they celebrated the divisions and held on to shallow unity. If this was the state of the church, it is inevitable that they would, like a skilled soccer player, want to outshine the team. Hey, look at me. This team needs me and my gifts. This team needs me and my skills to thrive. It is because of my giftedness that the church is in the state that it is. That's the mindset of those who were at Corinth. Elister Beck says, then as now, people were tempted to believe that spectacular giftedness was real evidence of spiritual maturity. A spectacular giftedness in comparison with which the practice of basic Christian virtue seemed fairly colorless and frankly rather boring. So this leads me to my first point. The danger that is ignorance. The danger that is ignorance. Won't you read with me again verses um, 1 to 3. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Spirit. The term for spiritual gift here that the Apostle Paul uses is, is the word pneumatikos, which could be interpreted spiritual things, or it could be interpreted spiritual people. But as you consider verses 4 to 11, you'll notice that the Apostle Paul is speaking about specific spiritual activities performed by a spiritual people. Therefore, we can call them spiritual gifts as we'll later see that these spiritual activities were given to spiritual people by the Holy Spirit as He wills and therefore it is a gift. The people who are the recipients of these gifts were not deserving parties, but the Spirit gave them as He willed. Another preacher defines a spiritual gift in this way. A spiritual gift is an ability given by the Spirit to express our faith effectively in word or deed for the strengthening of someone else's faith. So with that said, this is why the Apostle Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning matters of spiritual gifts. In fact, we ought not to be uninformed about the nature and purpose of spiritual gifts. Why? The devil has effectively used spiritual gifts to bring great confusion, to bring great conflict, to bring great division in the church of Christ. He does this because he knows the effectiveness of the correct use of spiritual gifts in the life of the church. 
He knows that the gifts are to build up, that they are to encourage one another, that they are to exhort believers to spiritual gifts. So yes, because we are at war, he will use them rather to break down. He will use them again rather to to split the church than to bring us together. And again, we need to remember he will use his tried and tested weapon of deception. He thrives off the ignorance of believers. Friends, it is because of the ignorance of many members in the local church that we have people eating snakes in the name of Christ. That we have people who were sprayed with doom. It is because of ignorance to the scriptures that we call under shepherds papa and elevate them based on their claim of specific gifts. It's because of ignorance that people are spending hundreds of thousands of rands to sit at a table with the so-called man of God who possesses what would be called the dramatic gift guaranteeing him God-like status. Because people are ignorant to the truths of scriptures, they are spending money they don't have for oils, for water, even for Vaseline, hoping they would be healed and they'll be protected from evil spirits. Because people are not faithfully abiding in the vine, they grow tired of the ordinary means of grace. They long for the extraordinary. They long for the flashy gifts that will give them an experience to say, man, I was with God in the service tonight. It is not enough for us to sing songs. It's not enough for us to just pray. It's not enough to sit under the preaching of the word. We need the miracles as proof that we are a healthy church. No. This is what God was warning. This is what Paul was warning against. He says in verse 3, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to testify about Jesus Christ. The Spirit would never elevate man over Christ. He will never contradict the means of salvation as shown in Scripture. He will never contradict the means of our sanctification as presented in the Scriptures. But we were warned. We were warned that the time is coming and in many senses has come when people will not endure sound teaching but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. They want to be entertained. They want to be amazed by miracles over the truths of Scripture. That's why people are drawn in 2023 to this mindfulness stuff on TikTok. This is why people are flocking to crusades to see extraordinary works of the so-called man of God. People are looking for the feeling of ecstasy. A commentator tells us of that feeling, in fact explains what this feeling is like. This feeling of ecstasy that people are looking to find in the church is, is like you are in a trance. In the feeling of the soul from hampering confinement of the body. In its communion with the deity. Powers arise within it of which it knows nothing in the daily life hampered by the body. It does not become free as spirit to hold communion with spirits also released from transiency. 
It is endowed with capacities to behold what only the eyes of the Spirit can behold, that which is removed beyond time and space. In ecstasy further, the devotee was lifted above the level of his ordinary experience into an abnormal conscious, consciousness of an exhilarating condition in which the body ceased to be a hindrance to the soul. Ecstasy might be a passive character resembling a trance and an active orgiastic character of excitation resembling what Pluto calls divine frenzy. Does that found, sound familiar? Let me flesh it out a bit. People are actively looking for that feeling. They look to find it in motivational Motivational speeches from the pulpit where people are slain, where people are called to bark in the spirit, when people are called to laugh in the spirit. People leave these, these services saying because of the gifts that were paraded from the front and the slow music in the background, I was in the presence of deity. I, was, I have never felt this way before because surely God was in our midst because of the ag- extravagance of the gifts. Paul would respond and say, how would you be so sure? Paul says, hang on a minute, church at Corinth. Paul says, come back. Remember how blind and foolish you were as pagans. See what he says. He says, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols however you were led. He says, you carved an image with your own hands. You placed it in elaborate temples. You worshiped that same image as God. This God that you carry around and clean, you worship as the giver and preserver of life. This God that you created with your hands does not speak, it does not see, and yet you trusted it with your life. Remember that in your spiritual death, you were led by mute idols. Do not think that you could be led or distracted back into that futile thinking. So church, I don't want you to be unaware, the Apostle Paul says, uninformed or ignorant. What happened in the church at Corinth was the abuse of God-given gifts and means of worship. We saw last week that the love feast became a feast of segregation. The Lord's Supper was abused with drunkenness and selfishness. They turned the Lord's table into a mockery. As if there was not enough, during the regular service, and we'll see later in the chapter, everyone would stand up and start shouting and talking at the same time. People were speaking in trance-like utterances and somebody trying to give a prophecy one side and some others were, were saying other things this side and others were trying to sing a song. There was just complete chaos because, again, self was worshipped and not God. The spirit of the church at Corinth was look at me and not look at God. So we need to consider my next point. The source and the purpose of spiritual gifts. Verse 4. Now there are variety, varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all. Growing up 
You remember we were taught how to count. In fact, one of the things Isaac does whenever you with him and Levi is you'll get Levi to count in Portuguese. We were also taught about the different body parts. This is your arm and this is your leg. There's no doubt in our minds, as old as we are, what is an arm, what is a finger, what is an elbow, what is an eye. But we do grow to know the function of these different body parts as we use them or when we injure them. Two illustrations to help us know where we're going here. Sometime last year, um, I wasn't looking for the purpose of my big toe. However, I learned that the big toe is actually a big deal. I learned that the big, the big toe plays a huge function in the rest of your body. It plays an important role in your ability to have static and dynamic balance, absorbing 40% of the force when performing any activity. So if you lost your big toe, you'd lose your balance. A second thing to think about, I watched a video about last year of a baby who was giving a given a hearing aid for the first time, so the baby couldn't hear. And this baby receives this hearing aid, and for the first time in the baby's life, they heard the voice of their parents. You could see the joy on the face of this little one. From these two illustrations, we learn that we don't often pay attention to how much we need parts of our body unless they are gone or unless they are injured. Or sometimes there are those who may have not grown with a functional body part, but when they get it, they realize, man, I actually really needed two legs. See, in the church, we often don't pay attention on how much we actually need each other in the body of Christ. Sometimes God reminds us by sending someone into the church who almost brings life into the church. They bring their spiritual gift and it works to the absolute benefit of the church. Or sometimes we don't realize how much we need each other's gift in the church until we have lockdown. Until a gifted person stops serving or until we've been, we isolate ourselves from fellowship and see our own spiritual decline. The gifts which God gives to his people are essential for the effectiveness of the church. For it is the giving of these gifts and in the exercise of these gifts that God chooses to mature his people and unleash them in areas of ministry and usefulness for his kingdom. Again, words from Big. So you see, Paul says that it is the spirit of God who empowers us. He empowers believers with these various gifts. But he also says that it is the Spirit of God that empowers believers with various gifts, with various services, and with various activities. It's important for us to know that God will not call all of us to be pastors. God will not call all of us to be teachers. He won't call all of us to be evangelists or even healers. We will have different gifts. We will serve in different areas. God will gift different activities with the moving of his spirit where masses will turn to Christ. Or like when when we were moved to pray last year and God answered our prayers by miraculously turning our finances around. That was a gift of the spirit. 
Revivals are a gift of a spirit. We cannot manufacture them unless the spirit of God chooses to move. We will not see a revival in our lifetime. The point Paul is making here is that it is the same God who has gifted all of us as believers in different ways. Eleven times in the text, Apostle Paul points the church to remind them of the giver of the gift. If you don't know the giver of the gift, you won't know the purpose of the gift. If you don't know the giver of the gift, you will be drawn to worship the gift. You will be, you'll be drawn to worship the performer of that gift and not the same God who works through them. The Holy Spirit is a person. And as a person, the Holy Spirit gives these gifts as he wills. The Holy Spirit is not a power to be manipulated for our own desires. See in verse 11, he says, All these, all these gifts are empowered by the one and same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Because the, the various gifts are from the, are from the same Spirit, then we can say that these gifts have an end. These gifts have a purpose. He graciously provides these gifts, and the end of these gifts is the same. So though there are a variety of gifts, though there's a variety of services, though there's a variety of, of, uh, of activities, they are unified in purpose. See verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The church of Christ is not a spectator sport. The church is not a professional pulpitism financed by lay spectators who sit there and watch it happen. The church is a living, breathing organism that functions as life and breath. And it is functioning on the basis of the ministry of each member within that church to minister to each other. And that's why it is seen as a body, and every one of us is like a member of that body. We have a function in harmony, in symphony with each member. So the question tonight is, what is your gift? What is your gift? See verse 8. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, ability to distinguish spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, interpretations of those tongues. All these are empowered by the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. We know there are other passages as well that help us to discern what are spiritual gifts. The point of the sermon tonight is not to go into the thicket and start explaining, hey, uh, is there healing today? Is there tongues today? Is there prophecy today? The point of today's, of today's passage and today's sermon is to tell us that spiritual gifts are given for the body of Christ. You will only know what your spiritual gift is as you serve in the local church. 
spiritual gifts are generally confirmed by members of the body. Yes, certainly he is gifted in teaching. Yes, certainly she is gifted in evangelism. Yes, surely she is a great host. She must have the gift of hospitality. So I do want to say this. I want to plead with you. It is hurting us as a church if you are keeping your gift at home or even to yourself. Get plugged in. Help us. We need you to help us to mature in Christ. You are important only because you are a member of the body and are important and must function. And we have to function together to be a healthy body. If I was up here and had a drooping eye, you'd say something's wrong with me. If I was up here and I was only using my one hand and my one arm was limp, you'd think there's a problem with me or something must be wrong. Likewise, as you don't exercise your gift, there there is that image of something must be wrong. So please, start serving. Another way to find out about your gift, Piper suggests, the way to think is this. The reason we have spiritual gifts is that we can strengthen other people's faith. Here is someone whose faith is in jeopardy. How can I help them? Then do or say what seems most helpful. And if the person is helped, then you may have discovered one of your gifts. I don't think that works all the time. But the point that that, that Piper is saying is you won't know what gift you have if you're not serving. So to close, implications. God will hold you accountable for the way you use your gift. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 to 11 says this. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So four important truths to take home as I close from this passage. Number one from verse 10. Each has received a gift. Every believer in the church of Christ has a spiritual gift. As the Spirit of God dwells within you, He has given you a specific gift which may differ from others in the local church. Number two, with that gift, you need to use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. So whatever gift you have, it is for service. Not for elevation of self, but for the service of fellow believers to spiritual maturity. Number three, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. All spiritual gifts are exercised by the power of the Spirit. The only way your gift will bear fruit is by the ministry of the Spirit. The only way you will endure in serving others is if you are given strength by the Spirit. Your own efforts will grow futile and short-winded. So to what end are we to exercise our gifts? Number four, in order that in everything 
God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So what makes for a healthy church? The correct, sorry, what makes for a healthy body? The correct and faithful usage of spiritual gifts to the glory of God. Let's pray. Whereas in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, to the one who teaches in his teaching, to the one who exhorts in his exhortation, to the one who contributes in generosity, to the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So God, remind us that God, we are all members of one body, but every member has a function to play. So I do pray that you'd help us to, Lord, fulfill that function by the help of your spirit. I pray, Lord, that we will be seen as a healthy body because every member in our church seeks to use their gift correctly to the glory of God. So, God, we pray as we will continue in this series, Lord, to look at what correctly looks like, that, God, you will continue to minister in our hearts, Lord, to bring about clarity in our hearts and our minds as to how is it that you would have us use our gifts for your glory in your kingdom. So for tonight, I pray that you'd challenge our hearts to consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.